Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, hopefully our sounds won't be totally fucked because we are in my room for the first time in a long time instead of Lemuel's room because I have cleaned up my whole situation. My cat was supposed to not make any noise today and, and she, already she like is... the minute you began speaking, <laughs> she, is, she had uh, something to say. So hopefully she cools it and chills out. Hi, welcome back. We are going to talk about The Birds today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Alfred Hitchcock movie because all of them now are Alfred Hitchcock movies from 1963. Uh, before we get started, did you have a lovely weekend? I had a lovely weekend. Excellent. Did it you was, have a lovely weekend? I did have a lovely weekend. I got a little bit sick on Thanksgiving, but that's mm. okay because there's always Thanksgiving food the day after Thanksgiving. Right. So it worked out okay. And we did an antique shop run, and it was... We played games on Thanksgiving night, which was really nice. We did. You played with us. Yes, I did. You win. Uh, I was able to play games that did not rely on being able to discern one color from the other. That's true. Or any form numbers. Of one anything other than the most rudimentary math. And a llama. Yes. It was good. Yes, exactly. And so between that and the antiques run over the weekend, you just had a lot of fun. It was a really fun weekend. It was. Now we're back to the grind. You walked into a mess at work. I yes. didn't have a mess today, but I will tomorrow. So oh, I'm sorry. It's fine. A bunch of my clients are like, hey, can I give you something on Monday for you to do on Tuesday? Right. And I'm like... Well, part of the mess was just everyone seemed to have had an issue over the holiday. Well, that makes I, sense. I came back to 10 voicemails on our company machine that were just people like, I need help now. We don't have any text right. to come to you now. It's a problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's get into this movie. Mm-hmm. What is your history with The Birds from 1963? The Birds from 1963 was on television a lot when I was a kid. It was, you know, and it was because of its length, it was always event television. It is two hours long. And once the commercials were stuck in, it was two and a half hours. Or, or three. I or bet three they hours. would have bumped it to three. Well, sometimes you would get... Um, and this happened a lot because it's a local story, or the story is set in, in, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. in Bodega Bay, which is very close to us. But yeah, it probably takes an hour, hour, hour and a half to get there. Yeah, depending on the traffic. And so... Which they say, because from yeah. San Francisco, it's an hour and a half north, they say. Uh, but, um, so there would be all sorts of special events where it would be stretched out to three hours, and there'd be a, a special host. Sometimes it was Tippi Hedren herself. No, oh, nice. Other she times. was mad. She was a mad she, woman. Yes. She has things to say that we'll get into, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, so it was always on a lot, and then it just stopped being uh, <laughs> broadcast. Sort of like. And we're done. We mentioned with King Kong and other films that were just staples of my childhood. They yeah. just stopped broadcasting them. Well, because um, because home video came out, right. I think, and they were like, well, now you have to pay to watch this. So, yeah, yeah. What was your experience of it? Uh, we saw it a while ago, mm. maybe 10 plus, 10 plus years ago, and I did not remember any. I remembered one thing. I remembered a dude in the corner with his eyes pecked out. That's it. Oh, and her in the phone booth. Those are the right. two sort of images that I recalled. What I forgot was all of the story like this this movie is called the birds there are remarkably few scenes of birds in it there are like five bird attacks i think something like that there are big major set pieces yes 
Um, but the birds. But it's on... like a ten. It's ten minutes of right. the two-hour runtime, probably. It's it's a well, maybe a little bit longer, but they're done. It's. it's there's all... a lot of ramp up to them. Right. Then they happen, and then there's a lot. Then there's an immediate de-escalation, which is a sort of a frustrating thing I have with the plot, which we'll get into. But oh, there are a little too many birds. Oop, there are way too many birds. Oop, the birds attack. Oop, the birds are gone. <laughs> right, <laughs> that is... which is something that gets covered in the story. They even mention that. Yeah, that they do. These but really they vicious do it... attacks, and they just disappear. They do it towards the end, and they don't. Here's what you do. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, I'm just gonna jump to my big plot issue. Right. As soon as the attack is over, get the fuck out. <laughs> like, yeah, leave. Go that. away. Uh, now, it's likely that the birds everywhere are going to be doing this, in which case there's no way to get to. But to start with, the second time, the second time you realize there is this ebb and flow, get in your cars and drive away. But they don't do that, you guys. They do not do that. They do at the end, finally. Right. <laughs> but they don't for so long. Uh, do you have any tidbits to well, share with so us many. about this movie um, before we get started? Well, I mean, really, we should get... I, I, Yeah, we should get started because there's interesting things that will be relevant to points in the plot. Okay. But as in terms of it did not win Best Special Effects, which is crazy. What did? Because what they, did? Uh, Cleopatra. Uh, if they um, were seen it, are the special effects good? I have no idea, because it, it was a film even longer than The Birds, Look. and it's mostly uh, Elizabeth Taylor and As the black Richard woman. Burton just delivering histrionics. each other, right? Uh, <laughs> On screen, off screen, same right. same. <laughs> and I, I think it, it was just not a movie that I was particularly interested in. Fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, this film really it is especially impressive considering what they had to work with in terms of, of visual effects and things. Um, I mean, and you guys, it doesn't right. hold up. The, the, well, some the of effects it are does. I think ridiculous. Some of them, like, there's a scene where the children are being chased uh, out of a... The acting, the way that the people respond to what is happening, uh-huh. all great. Right. Um, there's a child actor in this that is spectacular. Mm. Those birds look ridiculous. I'm sorry. Yeah, the birds. There's a scene with the birds attacking the school children running from um, the schoolhouse, which uh-huh. we visited in actual fact. Yep. Um, and there are that was really frightening to me as a kid watching it. Now there are moments when the birds are transparent. There are moments yeah. when the, the, they the, fly at an angle where you're just like, no bird ever has been right. able to fly at that particular angle because it's a thing on a string that's being swung right. around. There's other scenes though, like the scenes with the swallows that come down the chimney. Yes, that for sure. really work really well. And to think that, aside from the first shot of them coming out of the chimney, all the rest of that was done afterward. These are people oh, swatting it. Yeah, in the air. and a lot. I mean, a mm-hmm. big, big part of it are these are the reaction shots. All right. of the actors in here are invested. They are all in. Oh yeah. Uh, Tippi Hedren was tortured into it. Was I hear in, in more ways than we can. <laughs> yes, you know. Uh, relate but. To. Uh, yeah, so what's the name of it? Rod Taylor? Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor. Okay, so we've got Tippi Hedren uh, as Melanie. I don't remember her last name. No. Daniels. Melanie Daniels. Melanie Daniels. Not she, Melanie Griffith. She did not name her daughter after her character because her daughter was born 
six years before this right. movie was made. So that was my first question. As soon like when she said her name like the third time, I was like, wait a minute. Did she name Melanie Griffith after her after her character in this? She did not. Just a popular name in the late fifties, early sixties. I, like I do too. My, my I, I have not. It, it sounds fruity and sweet. Somehow. Well, sounds because of like melon. Melon. Yes. <laughs> not somehow. That's how. Uh, so she plays Melanie Daniels, who is a mischief-making socialite. Yeah. I think is the best way to describe her. She's got her mouth is set in a very strange way in a lot of these scenes, and I don't know if that's her natural mm-hmm. face or if she's doing something. Uh, so that's we have her. Mm-hmm. We have Rod Taylor as Mitch. Mitch Benner. And that's basically who stars in it. Who plays Mitch the, Benner's mother is played by Jessica Tandy. Oh, that was who's Jessica a Tandy. Wonderful actress. She okay. I am used to old Miss Jessica right. Tandy, right? And she looked super familiar, but she looked bigger than Jessica Tandy in my in my mind. Have you seen her youthful performances? I have not. This is the youngest I think I've ever seen her. She's fifty something years old in this in this part. Yeah, she doesn't look it, and she looks Uh, like a woman in makeup to make her look older. I I would disagree with you, but. Um, I appreciate that a fifty-year-old woman is playing a fifty-year-old woman, right? Because Which she's is, Mitch's there was mom. Something, okay, so it's Mitch and then his sister, yes, who's played by Veronica Cartwright, and she's Kathy fan, yes, fantastic. She had been seen in it, and this is the, the interesting thing about this film is that, um, so the screenplay is written by Evan Hunter, okay, who under Ed McBain wrote a series of really popular detective novels. I recognize that name. Right. So that, it's the same guy. And so Hitchcock presented to him the idea of, of doing The Birds, Daphne du Maurier's The Birds. That's right. This is also a Daphne du Maurier which, story, which I did not realize right. until that came up on the screen. So this is the second of two, right? Right. Well, in this in case, this though, list. Daphne du Maurier's story took place in, in England, in Cornwall, I think. That makes sense. And it's about a soldier who's uh, returned from the war. He's been back for some time, for some time, I believe. And he has a limp, or he, I can't remember exactly what the details were. It has a, a limp or a missing leg, and uh, birds start attacking, and really the only scene out of that story that re- is retained in the film uh-huh. is when Rod Taylor is boarding up the windows. Gotcha. Because that's really how we see it. He's sitting there on the roof, boarding up these windows, looking at these birds that keep massing for yet another attack. Gotcha. Um, but what you probably would find interesting right off the bat, this is Melanie, excuse me, uh, Melanie Daniels. Tippi Hedren. This is Tippi Hedren's first film. Okay. And she was a model before this. She was called in uh, by Hitchcock's people. Because And she thought she was going to wind up doing episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, gotcha. Not knowing that she was going to be signed to this film. Right. And so she had a very difficult relationship, to say the least, with Hitchcock. Everyone else seems to have had a really wonderful time. Yes. Including Veronica Cartwright, who... Hitchcock... There's a... Um... He had a very kind of odd relationship with children where he got along with them very well. Yeah. And Veronica Cartwright got this part because she's actually, she was born in England. 
uh-huh. and then came to the United States very young. And so she was born in a town where he had visited extensively as a child and told them that's where the best steak comes from and then gave her directions during their their cast interview, the early casting days, on how to make a steak. That's funny. As if she would understand any of it. She said, so I nodded my head a lot. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll have to try a steak the next time I go visit relatives in England. And then it became, well, she's natural for the part. And he even threw a birthday party, called her his favorite leading, leading lady. That's he was very sweet. Very sweet. Meanwhile, to her. he's literally torturing Tippi Hedren. And the thing is that Tippi Hedren, in the early days of uh, this film, and didn't even really start talking about it until a few years ago, she said that part of the issue that she had is that in the beginning, she had a really good relationship with Hitchcock because she was, she'd never acted before. She'd done television commercials and things like that. But here she is carrying the lead for this movie. And she said, I have a, a problem because he was my acting coach at the same time. Near the end of the production, he began to really obsess over me. And then obsessed to her when their real fall, uh, falling out came over uh, Morning, which was the second film. That he right, did. right. Which is wild mm-hmm. that she did another film with him. Well, he, a lot of, there was a film recently called The Girl, which is about the relationship between Hitchcock and Hedren. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It's really well made, but she said a lot of the things that they put in there came from shooting Marnie, not from shooting the birds. Oh, interesting. But Marnie okay. was such a financial failure, for an artistic failure for Hitchcock, that they decided to move it into the era when they were shooting the birds together. For instance, there was a time when he physically almost assaulted her in a car. That happened after the birds were After finished. Right. Yeah, um, I'm seeing that in... In an interview with Larry King, she said most of what's in there mm-hmm. happens at the end of Marnie. Nothing, no sexual advances were done right. until the end of Marnie. So the birds was fine to work on. Yeah. I mean, other than other than you're the being fact physically that, yes, attacked, you did do something that we'll talk you about. signed up for right. that. Okay, we open on Alfred Hitchcock walking out of a pet store. Those dogs are really his. They're so cute, little white dogs. Um, and that was his cameo get it right over like in the first shot of the movie and we see miss tippy hedron melanie daniels go into a i guess it's a pet store but i think it might just be a bird store it's all birds so loud it's the largest pet store and you and i it's like the fao schwartz of right you and i living across the bay from san francisco realize that space is a premium there yes so it was massive yes you're looking at this two-story you know Exposed beam construction. Um, it was half a block. It was <laughs> big. Uh, and she's going in to pick up some a minor bird mm-hmm. that she is going to give to somebody when she teaches it how to say something rude. Uh, but it's not there yet. And then she... Well, the, the owner is off looking for something. She is intercepted by mm. Rod Taylor, right. uh, who asks her a bunch of questions about some birds that he wants for his sister. Now, she plays along like she works there, and she kind of is bullshitting him. And she has no idea about birds nope. at all. And he he knows that she's bullshitting him because right. it turns out he knows who she is because she is often in the newspaper for doing nonsense. Right. And she's he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer who personally sued her, though she never showed up in court. Oh, I missed that. For a that. prank that she played that broke a plate glass window. Oh, I thought he said 
I remember you in court for that. I might have. Wait, no, it might have been that she did, but she didn't, clearly doesn't remember him. No, I didn't think that. I, I thought he saw her in the newspapers and had seen her at the courthouse, mm-hmm. but hadn't had actual interaction with him, her, her with her. But maybe I'm wrong about that. But either way, he knows who she is. She doesn't know who he is. Um, he ends up trying. He's looking for lovebirds for his sister's birthday. And, and they're both looking for love, as it turns. I mean, I guess. Uh, Rod Taylor is 90% chiseled jawline. Right. He's like, he's ridiculous. He looks like a Ken doll. What's his deal? He is Australian, and that's one of the things that we will get into. There are so many conflicting accents. I in didn't this film. notice an accent with him. He's Australian, but he was Australian. They toned his accent down, so he has sort of a broad English inflected Oh, some of the, the shopkeepers accents, and stuff right. in Bodega Bay all sound like they're from they're Maine. From, including his mother. Oh, she does too. Yeah. Right? They, they, they all have a Pepperidge and, Farms remembrance and, vibe. You know, like saying to the, you know, it's, you know that we, th- this is different. This is California. Is, we don't have accents here, and like I at all. I felt almost as if, was there an earlier draft of the script that took place in Maine? Because that would make a lot of sense of these actors all Closer felt, to England. Right. More, um, sort of weather appropriate. Although Bodega Bay is so he's doing a a kind of a weird English tinged mid Atlantic accent. He's an action actor. He was one of the actors who was uh who really campaigned hard to get the part of Popeye Doyle. He was the character that Yeah, that would have been not good. He was the actor that um that the director himself wanted. Oh interesting. Okay. Um but yeah, he was a genuine tough guy. He'd been a professional boxer. He was. Oh, Hitchcock hated him. Hated right. him so much. I'm sure. And he said that they they got along for a while, but he kept making mistakes with Hitchcock. He says there's things you don't talk about with Hitchcock ever. There's even words you don't mention, and then suddenly wow. you're on his bad side. <laughs> Wild. Okay. All right. So she decides that mm-hmm. the next day she goes and she finds out where he lives. And she goes to his apartment with a pair of lovebirds on a Saturday. Is it a Saturday morning? I'm following the timeline. <laughs> it's Friday when she's in the first time. She goes back the next day to to get her minor bird or, and, her, or her no, lovebirds. the lovebirds. They, yeah. She didn't have lovebirds. She said she could get them the next day. So that puts us at Saturday morning. She goes and she brings the 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 cage full of birds with two birds. The cage of lovebirds to his door and his neighbor is going in and he's like oh he's not here he's in bodega bay for the weekend he goes every weekend he won't be back till monday you probably don't want to leave live animals (laughs) in the hallway for that long skeletons uh and he's like i take them but i'm also going out of town and i'm like dude it's saturday morning get your ass going what are you doing uh and so she's like bodega bay huh where is that and he goes north about an hour and a half and so this bitch doesn't have shit to do because she's rich and she's a idle. socialite who does, yeah. <laughs> and so she drives to Bodega Bay. Right. She drives like a fucking lunatic in this movie. And I'm just like, how is she not tipping over that car? With the two birds. Yes. Where they're... she's going to, I guess, the Pacific Coast High. Oh, where is No, it wouldn't no, have been. It's... She's probably going up one, uh, right. which is the Pacific Coast Highway, I guess. And she's making, way. and anybody who's driven that highway knows there's these really ferocious turns. Turn, turn, turn. That you take. I know that we. I had a coworker whose mom, you know, was taken down the highway by her daughter. She was visiting from back east. And I talked to her the next day. Oh, hi, so-and-so's mom. How are you? 
And this woman looked at me, she's like, oh my god, you're on the Pacific Coast Highway. That was the most frightened I've ever been in my life. Because it does. It takes these turns that are really close to the edge of a cliff. I drove, it's not so bad up north. Uh Down south, like going from Carmel by the Bay, or Carmel on the, what is it called? By the sea. By the sea, that's right. Carmel by the sea, it's Carmel. Uh, Down to Morro Bay. So I drove that New Year's of... 2014? I want to say 2014. No, 2015. Uh, Because I got my license in Mm -hmm. September of the year before, and I had a lot of anxiety about where the edges of my car were. Um, I had lane-changing anxiety, things like that. So I decided, I went to visit my friend who lives on the Central Coast, who I go visit every month now. But I take 101. I took one south by myself and drove the whole way and it is all curves i got down there and and when i was done i knew exactly the edges of my car i knew how much i had to turn (laughs) to get it to do what i like i figured it out it was i think everybody should do it it's not for the faint of heart and at the end i needed to go get a massage because everything from my belly button down hurt so bad because you're just gas break gas break gas right. break for like six hours there's a lot of blind turns too yes you there's can't a lot. see there's rises where you can't see what's on the other side so mm-hmm. you can't speed up over yeah you're not going to go that right. fast you there's plenty of places to pull over which is nice so yeah. i would pull over if there were cars behind me because i was like i'm gonna go as fast as i need to go I'm not speeding up for people yeah. and then also just the vistas are stunning yeah so it is nice to pull over and stretch like it is it is a fit like you think oh driving it's not that physically grueling it can be and this is but like i said it's gorgeous and when i was done i could drive like Mm. better like i was a markedly better driver after one day of driving uh so yeah, but she <laughs> she's zooming up. The birds are like sliding from right. side, just leaning from side to side. And uh, so she goes in. She asks about Mitch. It's a small town. They know where he is. He's in that. He's across house across the, la- uh, the, the bay. I the guess. bay, yeah, like a little he's in the house across the bay. Like, so wait, wild. Wait, hold it. Where where are we now? And there's one road in, and she doesn't want to take it because she wants to sneak. There's no back way. Right. There's one road. So she's like, well, and he's like, unless you take a boat across. And she's like, cool, where can I run a boat? So she does. She rents a little motorboat, puts her, and she is in, you'll, you've seen her outfit. She wears two outfits in this movie, right. one on the day that we see her first, and then one for the whole rest of the movie. So it's Saturday, probably noon. She gets a lot of mileage out of this one yes. piece head outfit. Uh, oh, before she goes across the boat, she's trying to figure out what Mitch's sister's, sister's name. name is. And they think it's Alice or Lois in the general store. Mm-hmm. It's neither of those things. She goes to the, the school teacher who lives right next to the school. That is Suzanne Planchette. Pl- Planchette. Planchette. And Hathaway? I was going to Hayworth. Annie Hayworth. Annie Hayworth. And she has had a long-standing love uh, for uh, Mitch. But she does give this woman who came from nowhere this child's information, which is 
wild. So we find out it's Kath. Kath. Uh-huh. Kath is her name. So she, Tippy, Melanie, does rent a little boat, little motorboat, puts her little birds in the motorboat, and then just right across, basically into the ocean, and then up to the house across the way. And she, there's there's no one around, so she lets herself into these people's home, leaves a note with a happy birthday, like, message for little Kathy. Who she's never met. Who she's never met. But once again, she's in these people's home. Well, that's kind of, I think that <laughs> I'm just like, the balls of this very, white woman. She's a, a couple of things. She's a very entitled woman. Well, that's true. And she's a socialite. She's, her father owns, or is one of the owners of a huge newspaper. So it's as if to say William Randolph Hearst was her dad. Right. Um, and so she's able to find out when she gets uh, Mitch's, when she meets him in San Francisco, she gets his license plate and calls her dad's resources. Right, find out who this dude right. is. Right, so she, she's entitled, she feels entitled. So that's to why he, I, we, I don't think uh-huh. he sued her, because would, she would know his name if they were involved in that's litigation. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But yeah, he, but, she, uh, she takes down, yeah, calls the newspaper, get so me some information, and they do. She just sort of feels like she has the right to walk in there and do what she does, what keeps her from being really an obnoxious character, or rather a fully obnoxious character, is that you find out that a lot of what she does is from this sense of one-upsmanship. She is going, she's playing a game with Mitch. Yeah. Where she's, she's got going to big keep... only child vibes. Right. You and it turns I mean? out that is the case. Oh, she is? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's got, yeah, and she's... She does think that she's better than people uh-huh. but she likes when she thinks that somebody's almost up to her level or up to her level when she does think right. I think about Mitch and eventually she she does have a sort of a unfortunately a coming down but not in a really humiliating way so much as she has to encounter the real world over the course of the story and I think that is it the real world? <laughs> well, I mean, Hitchcock himself said this was a fantasy film. Yes, is it not is. It's the, sci-fi, maybe. Right. Yeah. He, he goes, none of my films take place in any kind of recognizable place or time. These are all sort of fantasy movies, and this one more so than some of the others. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so California she, she comes. Everyone has New England accent. She is. She comes back out of the house. Uh-huh. She gets in the boat. Mitch is coming back. She, like, zooms her boat out, like, a hundred yards or something, turns around and looks to watch him go into the house and then come back out of the house and look around, and he sees her. Because she's the only thing in the day. she's sitting in a boat. She couldn't have gotten away in time either. And she wasn't trying to. She stopped the boat, and then she... Cuts back to the other side, right? right. Or she, yeah, she doesn't get out there, and, he's and he gets in his car, his car and races around. Right. And so he he's there when she gets to the she uh-huh. gets back to the dock, and then and she doesn't try and hide or whatever. No, she's she, like, "What's up?" She's very cut. She looks him <laughs> yes, dead in the eye. Yes, I did. Fucking break into your home. A little bit. She has a very kind of a funny. She's yeah. got yeah. Her the set of her mouth is really interesting. I kept noticing it, and I'm like, "Is this?" Her natural state, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell. Uh, and he's like, what are you doing here? And she goes, well, I thought I'd bring you some birds. I was going to be in town anyways. I'm staying with Annie Hayworth, yeah, right. who 
uh, we went to college with, like, he, she's fucking full on making things right. up. She's like, I'm staying with her tonight. He's like, well, you got to come to dinner. And this is after, of course, she gets walloped in the face by a bird. Oh, that's right. As she's pulling up, she gets hit by they a make seagull. These t- sort of cameo appearances in the first part of the story. That's right. Until they build up to something really big. But this bird kind of just, just hits her in the face. Her upside the head. It's a uh, Fabio moment. Right. Which I had to look up because you said it was a goose. And I'm like, there's no fucking way it was a goose. Y'all, it was a goose. That is a big <laughs> bird to get hit in the face by. In her case, she had a wig. Yeah. And there was an air tube running underneath the wig. Yeah, and, she had a wig. And there was a bird that was timed to attack her, and they pumped the air thing, and it flipped her hair up, and that's, that's one of the reasons why she had this big kind of... Her hair was so intricate. Right. Intricate. Intricately. What? Yeah? Her hair was so intricate that I was like, there's no fucking way this is her actual hair. They styled this, put it on a mm-hmm. on a mannequin, and then put it on her head when she got to uh, set. Which, now, hey, I learned that almost every person you see with any kind of hair at all on a in a movie or TV show is wearing a wig. Because it's way easier to style a wig and hold on to it than to restyle hair every day. It's like faster. So, that's new information. Sometimes you can totally tell, but sometimes you can't. Helena um, Bonham Carter. What about and her? She said her career was built on hair that wasn't hers. Oh, interesting. Because her, she did these period pieces with this long, gorgeous right. hair. And period piece after period piece, she would do these have these beautiful wigs. And then she kept saying, these have to stop casting me for my hair because it's not my hair. It's, yeah, that's funny. Um, but you know what? It's uh, buyable. Right. It is uh, certainly gettable. So... He says, you know, come for dinner. And she's like, I'll check and see if I have plans or, like, see mm-hmm. if I can do anything. Or if Annie has plans. But Annie, that's right. And then she goes to Annie and is like, ooh, hey, can I stay here tonight? Because I definitely well, did Annie has lie. a room to let, which she, she also has a sign for. In and her... she wants to do it for longer than a day. But I'm like, well, you don't have any long-term people today. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's fine. And right. she does. She um, lets her stay and she invites her in and then they get a little download on Mitch. Uh, she gets a little download on Mitch. And then she goes and has dinner with Mitch and his mom and his sister. And his sister loves her. And his mom fucking hates her. <laughs> what we find out from Annie later when Melanie comes back is that Annie had come, had met Mitch in San Francisco. Yeah. Had come out to spend time around him and stuff like that. Because she wanted the relationship to continue, but it's like when Annie couldn't get past um, Lydia, who's uh, Mitch's mom, uh-huh. they kind of knew the relationship. Her and Mitch thought, well, this isn't going to work out, but she still cares a lot for him. Yeah, she's she's pining. Right. She's pining in a small town where the only man is Mitch on the weekends. And, uh, and and Pepperidge Farm man in the, right. in the general and store. And, and people blow through town, basically, that's it. Yeah. It's a very small town. There's a one-classroom or a one-room schoolhouse that Annie uh, is the school teacher for. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's she's still around for Mitch, and they're really good friends now that Lydia no longer considers her a threat. Yeah, Lydia is his mom, and Lydia's husband is dead, Mitch's dad. And she is 
deathly afraid of being alone, and right. so she clings on to her child. Now, the other thing is... Oh, here we go. Jessica Tandy is playing this woman who's, what, in her mid-50s? Mm-hmm. And Mitch is a cool 35. <laughs> he may be playing younger, but this man is a cool 35. And his sister is turning 11. Explain that okay, so to me, please. The, actually, it is the actors. Okay. Uh, Jessica Tandy was 54 when she's doing that film. And she's playing about 54. Right, So she, which is amazing to me. It's like, oh, she's my age. Uh, let's see. Rob Taylor's 33. Okay. So a very sun-soaked 33. Sun-soaked, yes. It's the, it's the Australian that and ages you by two years. Veronica Cartwright is 14. Okay. So she's playing a little younger, so, yeah. but still. She could, but yeah, still. That's quite a gap that's between this. It's twenty. Quite years. a gap. Is it twenty? Because yeah, Lydia would have been. Because at first I was like, oh, these people are all the same age, more or less. But Lydia um, would have been forty given birth. Twenty-one when she gave birth to Mitch, and then forty when she then, gave birth. Yeah, to... and then there's a nineteen-year difference between the actual ages. But but I it's mean, more time in the yeah. Like she's playing younger. Um. And we don't know how old uh, right. Mitch is. Uh, but he's a lawyer, so he's a grown-ass man. Right. Uh, also, look at him. He's a grown-ass man. <laughs> like, uh, so that was... I was just like, this is weird. And I understand, like, the Kathy character is important. Mm-hmm. She's sort of front and center in a lot of the scenes. Uh, there's yeah. a scene later where she is bawling. And she is sustaining crying in a way that I haven't seen on film maybe ever. I don't... Mm, Florence Pugh at the beginning of Midsommar. But others... That's a huge compliment. That's (laughs) a great deal of praise to say that she could do that because one of the things that struck me about this kid, this film when I was a kid watching it uh, as often as I did was how once the film kicks into higher gear, right? Yeah. And they're all trapped Which in Which takes house. a while. Right. It's like 45 minutes in you're, before... You're really invested in these people... Um, before they start falling to pieces. Yeah. When they do, you're watching a level of his, like, sustained hysteria. Yeah. Everyone is freaking out. Yeah. And... Well... Including Mitch. Mitch is freaking out, but he's still able to do something about it, Yeah, I think. but I think all the adults really come down pretty quickly after the... each attack. hmm I think the kids have to stay sort of at a higher... Maybe because it's not their responsibility to be responsible. Well, maybe because they can't do anything. There is also that. Right. Mitch They're is, sort of at the... Mitch is able to keep his, his, his shit together, really, even though he's panicking at times. Sure. Because it's like, I can board up windows. I can, you know, uh, tie up the shutters, you know, as he, he does later on. Um, but it's like the people in this film, they, they operate at this level where... Near the end, they're really, they look frightened. And you find out later on that during the making of the film, oh, yeah, they were terrified a lot of the time um, doing it because they were actual live birds. Yeah, apparently most of the birds that we see are are real. Right. Uh, Then there were $200,000 spent on mechanical birds, which is a lot of money in 1963. Uh, So this dinner goes well, and like uh-huh. I said, Kath loves loves her and wants her to come to her birthday party, which is uh-huh. the next day. Uh, Melanie tries to beg off, but you know we know she's going to go to this party, and then she goes back and has like a drink with uh, Annie, and that's when she sort of finds out 
Lydia's deal and Annie's deal. Like, that's when she finds everything out. So the next day... Bird fall, knocks against the door. Another oh, hint, right? That's right. Another... Yeah. yeah. And we had heard that Lydia's chickens, uh-huh. her hens aren't eating. Right. Because she, she uh, complains to the general store... And she's like, uh, you gave me bad feed, because chickens will eat. Right. Chickens will eat. Uh, and then she, he's like, no, actually, so-and-so's, this other f- person's chickens also aren't eating, but they got a different kind of feed. Like, right. the chickens aren't eating. It's because they want to eat people. We don't know that that's true either. Uh, so the next day, she does go to the birthday party, and then there is a bird attack. That's the first bird attack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a baby bird attack. Right. Like, it's not... It's targeted to the kids. Like, Mitch and Melanie are up on a hill, and they are fine. Having they have to go into long the... a conversation about how Melanie is trying to turn her back on her misspent youth and do something with her life. Yes. And there's a really good moment for her. Again, this is a fledgling actress. Yeah. Uh... And it was a clever decision to make on Hitchcock's part because he's talking. She's talking to to Mitch. She's talking about her mom. Yeah. And how she has no relationship with her mom. That becomes important later on because she winds up having that kind of relationship with Lydia. Um. And she's like, he says something about, "Oh, you need a mother's care," and she's like, "Not my mom." And then she goes on about how her yeah. mom abandoned her. Right. And there's a really great moment where she, he asks her, um about speaking to her mom and she turns her back and goes, I don't know where she is. And her voice cracks. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that that was good. Yeah, yeah. She ends up staying. She goes to dinner uh-huh. again. Right. This is when we have the, hey, my hens aren't eating. And then finds out that this other person's right. hens aren't eating. So Lydia gets in the truck and she goes to visit this other um, right. oh, well, This is also the swallows come down on that second dinner. Right. Was that before or after the... Yeah, it's before. It's before. So, yeah. So, they're having dinner there after. It's after dinner. They're, like, in the parlor area. um, And there's a fireplace. And then all of the birds, all of the little swallows come down and swarm the living room. And it's very creepy. And um, And they're like, is this San Capistrano? Is this not San... Oh, I'm sorry. It is not. Yeah, excuse us. Excuse us. And... Does he end up, like, just opening the window to get them out? He ends up opening the window to let them out, because he has these big shutters against the windows, too. Which come back later. Right, but the birds are everywhere. I mean, they wind up flying out, for the most part, but they're dead birds, there's broken crockery, there's all sorts of things. Yeah, and they're they're Mm -hmm. all torn up And that really, like I said, that's the most effective of the bird, in terms of special effects, Yeah, that still stand up, that really does. I think part of it is they're small. Right. And there's so many of them, you can, you know... Yeah, you can't really pick out, that right. one looks weird, that one looks weird. Uh, and then, yeah, then Lydia gets in her car and goes to check out, to, to talk to this other farmer, and gets there, and this is where it's the image that I remember. Right. Dude's dead in his room, his eyes are packed out of his head, in the corner. He's propped up that in the corner, and his eyes are picked out of his head. image that, as a kid, just stayed with that. Yes. which is really... the one thing that I remember, right? right? stays with you. Uh, and then, so we're talking about it's Sunday night now. Melanie was fixing to leave. Mm-hmm. Then Mitch is like, "You should probably stay." And I'm like, "Actually, all of you should probably leave." But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she stays the night. She goes back to Annie's and stays the night. And Lydia's freaked out. And she's like, uh, "Now I'm worried about my right, daughter. I need to go together." Windows. 
Yeah. And if they yes. can come through the windows like they did to the farmer or yeah. whatever, they're going to, there's nothing that will stop them. Really. Well, I guess we're into Monday because they are in class, right? right? They're singing. Which is weird. A long, long Such a long song. song. They are singing for like four minutes. It's bonkers. Uh, but uh, Melanie goes in and he's like, come back in a minute. Right. And then Melanie goes outside to smoke a cigarette. Cool. And she sees all the birds. All, all the, the birds gym. gathering on the jungle gym. And then she like sneaks back in and she's like, we gotta go. <laughs> and, and he's like, okay, let's go. And she... Says, we're going to do a fire drill. Let's go. And everybody goes, oh, and she's like, I said quietly, come on. And so they all kind of sneak out. They kind of see the birds and they're like, oh, that seems bad. And they sneak out and are going down the street. And then the birds see them and then the birds come and get them. Attack. Another bird attack. Uh, By the way, birds seed under their, their wigs and stuck in their collars. Is that how? Because they were being pecked at in the next. Really persistently. The boys were getting way more of the brunt of what we are seeing Mm -hmm. than the girls. Like, there's a couple of girls who are like fall down and are face down and have birds on their back. But most of what we're seeing are boys getting their collars dressed up by these birds. The funny thing is that Hitchcock said uh, in an interview that birds are. There's a, a comment later on. Or just after this, in the scene about the size of their brain pans, and how they they can't really they don't think very clearly, and he made the comment, "Oh no, they're so much smarter than you think." Yeah, it got to the point where if they did retake after retake, they would literally fly back in place and wait for their cue. Yep. And he says, "Like, well, I, they have memories, like, and right. they pass them on. Like, if you piss off some crows, oh yeah, their kids are coming after you. And like, the, it's a familial the, remembrance. The, the animal wranglers on this film, and the, the SPCA was very present. Uh, that makes sense. Um, but the uh, the animal wranglers were, uh, Rod Taylor remembers them. He says, I used to go out and have drinks with these guys sometimes after work, but they got sort of peevish sometimes because the gulls were really cranky. Gulls are very cranky animals. Right. Because the, there was a crow that was, uh, there was a gull that was everyone's, um, nightmare because it was, you know, people wouldn't show up if this goal, particular goal was there on set. I forget its name. Right. And uh, for another... Specific, yeah. He was the asshole goal. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he just didn't like people. He would swap you, would hit you with his wing or whatever. And there was one, I believe it was a crow that was so sweet they couldn't use him in the film because it was just the friendliest bird on earth. Tippi Hedren said that she'd be in her trailer and it would just hop into her trailer and sit up on her desk and want to be petted. Excuse me. And then sit there like, you know, Looking at her, doing her makeup, and she would sing to the bird, and the bird would sit there and cock its head and listen to her. And Aww. It was, but it was so I sweet love this to bird. everyone that they couldn't get it to attack anyone. It didn't want to attack the children. It didn't want to do any of that. That's amazing. So the, the a bunch of the kids are attacked. Mm-hmm. They go to the diner. Um, Mitch finds them at the diner, and they see a gas station attendant being mm-hmm. attacked. And the birds, like, spill the gas on the ground, and then the gas goes like across the street and then this guy who's not paying attention to anything lights a cigar and then the gas station explodes and then we're just stuck with birds attacking yep and what's funny right before that is the big uh war with the birds scene where all these people in this diner start having a conversation 
And it's, it's again, it's all this level of hysteria. It's, yeah, it's so out. funny. Like, there's a there's an ornithologist right. who's like, the birds have shallow brain pans and could not possibly be doing this. And I'm and like... And there's, like, the, 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 the actual cook who's supposed to be cooking and, and making drinks for everyone. Not doing just that. just going on. He, he's, like, really eager to stoke the hysteria. Really? The birds are attacking? What are we going to do about the yeah. birds attacking? There's a mom with her two kids. It feels very much like the mist. Like, you're right. scaring the kids. I'm going well, away. I'm sure that it borrows from this. Right. His, I mean, obviously, even in the story, The Mist, yeah. he cites the ending of The Birds. Oh, interesting. By saying, yeah, this is going to be an ending like The Birds. I hated that movie. That was the character in The Mist says that. But yeah, yeah, there's this sort of rolling kind of hysteria that goes on, and it's climaxed by this attack yeah. in which, and Evan Hunter talks about, uh, the screenplay writer, uh, talks about how that scene with uh, Melanie trapped inside the phone booth was not in his script, but Hitchcock decided that it would parallel the beginning of the scene, uh, the beginning of the film, where Mitch tells this lovebird that he puts back in its cage into your gilded cage, Melanie Daniels. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it's like here she is, in the and that happens cage. in the in the school when the right. kids are running from the school. So then, they they go. Kath is. Suppose, or is that uh, Annie's house? Uh-huh. And so they're going to go pick her up. And when they get there, Annie is dead on the ground. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. And Kath is in the house fucking bawling and screaming. And they go and get her. They make her happy. She has to walk. No, they go down the side of the porch because um, she, they don't want her to walk past Annie's body. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Mitch covers her. Everybody is sad. She got real short shrift in this, but apparently the birds were attacking. She pushed Kath inside, right. but then took the brunt of it and died. Is this the first person that we see? No. Other than the dude who got his eyes packed out. Is this the first death? Other than the big explosion, which right. technically wasn't the birds. <laughs> that was man-made. Right, there's because um, we see that guy, the guy lighting the cigarette, literally goes up. And I remember even as a kid, you see him in the yeah. center of this big ball of flame yeah. going up. For, so it was kind of yeah. Whoa, that, that's this is a really violent. And movie. they were yelling at him, "Don't light that! Don't light that!" And he was like, "Well, all he does is like, what are you saying to me?" And he drops his match, and that's what blows him up. So in a way, they actually kill him. Um, but I think that's the first major character that we see that we know that's been killed yeah. on screen. And uh, this is when uh, young Miss Cartwright really shows her stuff because mm-hmm. she is sustaining right. a bawling. And it's like a lot of times that'll happen for 30 seconds and then there's right. <laughs> or there's that fake <laughs> no. She is yeah. in it. Four minutes, and it, I like as we're watching. Mm. I was like, "This is impressive." Yeah. So, you know, whatever she was pulling from. Sorry, you're 14 years old and can do that, but like, it it was a very impressive piece of acting, let alone child acting. Yeah, she's she's and she's had a. I, I really she was cast in this film because of a part that she played in a really. It's a good film, but it's kind of mean-spirited movie of the children's hour. 
uh, which with Audrey Hepburn and a really young Shirley MacLaine and James Garner. I've walked in on you watching that movie, and it's but about it. a group of really malicious teenage girls who spread a rumor about two female teachers being in a relationship. That's right. And Veronica Cartwright is one of the kids, girls, and something about like the she's one of the kids, the girl who develops kind of a conscience, but then realizes that she's too far in to stop saying this. Right. And now that she's the center, it's very much like um, the cru- the Crucible. Oh yeah. In that you know we've accused these people of being witches, and in this case, we accused them of being a couple, these two teachers, mm-hmm. and all the those, uh, uh, the uh, aftermath of that. Um, and she was apparently so she is very good in it. As she got Hitchcock's attention, who he wanted that girl who could do that turn of like, right. you feel sorry for her, but at the same time, what she's done is so reprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. This is different. This is very different. She is very much like, you never are like, I hate this kid. This no. is like, she's a good kid. And you're just like, oh, I hope she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't die. She's, she's already going to need all the therapy. She is so much more together than the adults around her. Well, until this scene where her, she is like... Well, no, but I mean like her... Uh, not morally. That's not what I want to say. It's just that she seems to have... She's fully in the experience of being a kid, whereas yeah. Melanie and Lydia and Mitch are always kind of fronting with each other. Yeah. And, you know, trying to one-up each other. And she's just being her. Yeah. Um. So then they sort of barricade themselves at mm-hmm. the Brenner's house. Uh... There's another attack. The birds almost come in. They're pecking at the door, and the right. door is, like, breaking down. Some of them try and get in through, yeah, it looks like storm shutters, which is weird because we're in California, and I don't think that's a thing here, but it's fine. Maybe that close to the bay. I don't know. It could Maybe. be. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, though. I'll, I'll give them benefit of the <laughs> And so he has to, like, Mitch has to, like, reach in and pull it closed, and... He gets all pecked up, right. but he's okay. He lives. So they get through that attack because once again, it's they're finite, right? And there's they get sort of longer, but they always end and they end abruptly. It was like, and then they're gone. The birds are all gone, and then they start accumulating again. Which I think this is when they start talking about that. This one and the one before it, where uh. they're like, oh no, I think it's in the diner. They're like. They're, they, you know, they accumulate, they attack, and then they Which dissipate is again. Really interesting because that feels realistic. Like birds, they require so much energy yeah. to do what they do that they have these periods where they're just going to be down, and then suddenly they're on you again. And they have to rebuild their stores too, right. because that's the one thing that the ornithologist said is like, because somebody's like, we should kill them all, and she's like, there's, there's no way, there's like yeah. a. There's like 1.8 billion birds in this country. Like right. there's Much no like the entire world. Yeah. There's no there they've got us beat on numbers. So there's a fluttering sound upstairs and so Melanie climbs up into the attic and it goes badly for her. She's she's attacked. Right. And she's she's unconscious and she falls in front of the door and so they have to like fight to get her out and they do they finally drag her out but she is badly injured and she is traumatized like she Mm -hmm. is like very quiet for a good chunk of it she's just like yeah almost catatonic and so then 
he's like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta go to San Francisco. Now, we've heard on the radio that there are broad reports that some shit's going down up north, but mm-hmm. and something to do with birds, but the actual, like, what's actually happened has not traveled down to at least San Francisco, where the radio broadcasts are coming out of. Uh, and so, and he wants to take her to the hospital, because she's basically catatonic at this point. And so they get her, he, he goes out by himself to get her car ready, and pull it around up close to the house, so that they don't have to be out in the open where the birds are. And as he goes out, there are birds fucking everywhere. Right. And so he has to, like, walk through all the birds, which is... it. It's got real Walking Dead vibes when they're, like, dressed up with meat and they're just right. walking through hordes of zombies. Like, it's that kind of a thing where... It's unnerving. That's... Yeah. And he's, like, stepping gently so he doesn't, like, step on them, but they are coating yeah. the, the ground. Uh, so he gets over there, and then he gets back. The car radio is then um, talking about bird attacks in other places, including Santa Rosa, which is about 40 minutes inland from Bodega Bay, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, and that the military might be hauled in. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, but sure. And then... Um, Kathy begs them to be able to take the lovebirds because she's like, they haven't done anything wrong because <laughs> she has these love lovebirds that Melanie has brought to her. And Lydia's like, but the birds aren't they? <laughs> and they 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 agree to that, and uh-huh. the they join she they come out and they bring Melanie out gently, and she's still like not there. They get into the car. And then the car drives slowly away, and then all the birds watch them go. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Who could say what happens now? My understanding birds, was I think. one of the specials that um, uh, local Bay Area specials, you know, showing this film, uh-huh. there was an interview with Tiffy Hedren, and one of the filmmakers, uh, it was done in front of this enormous sort of like, backdrop of birds covering the entire San Francisco bridge. Okay, the Golden Gate? Golden Gate. And that was supposed to be the final image of the film, apparently. Oh, okay. Which was driving through the city, seeing everything in Iraq, <laughs> and looking at this bridge covered with birds. Um, and according to the, the the expert that was there that evening, who worked on the film, he said, yeah, but we, we this is the artwork, the actual artwork that we presented um, to the studio and all, and they're just like, no. The ending is so bleak. That would be just... That's really... It's already bleak. We can't make it worse. Our heroine is catatonic. Yeah. Our hero is completely incapable of dealing with the situation. Yeah, Kathy's the final girl. Right. (laughs) There is a really nice moment in the car between Melanie and Lydia. Uh Uh-huh. Where they come to some sort of terms. Yeah. And they've... I really felt like this film, watching it this time, there's a lot more of... uh, there's a lot more um, female power going yeah. in this movie. In that, and way more character development right. than I realized. I was like, it's birds. It's birds, birds, and birds all the time. It's not, though. No. And it, it, it's, it, there's Which no... I think lends to 
how thrilling it is, right? Like, well, there's no reason ever given for the attacks. No. Apparently, it's inspired by something that happened in Capitola. Uh, let's see, when was it? In 1961. Okay. When, and it's referred to when somebody says in the film, something happened in Santa Cruz a, a, a year ago or two. Oh, yeah, yeah that's but right. In real life, these birds actually went out vomiting half-eaten food all over people's lawns, smashing into windows and all. And apparently the cause was something that was found much later, which was uh, algae. The birds had digested it, and it infected in... And they'd gone mad? Right. Okay. Sort of the crazies, only for birds. And um, and so they're smashing themselves into windows. They're you know, making a horrible, horrible mess, attacking people and things like that. So there was no explanation at that time available for why it happened. And in this case, it was... Um, they followed suit. There's no reason for why right. they're doing it. They just do. And like you're saying, it actually helps because you're wondering what was it. And I, as when I watched this film, getting older, watching the film, I kind of understood it as thinking, well, these are the stories of animals attacking the weak and the sick. Yeah. Because these people are all wounded. Yeah. Mitch is wounded. He's trying to live up to the, 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 the image of his dad, who's constantly, it's interesting how the scenes are framed where his dad's pictures behind him a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. And you're just sort of seeing this guy whose boots he can't possibly live, you know, Phil, can't live up to him. And his mother even tells him that. His mother is terrified of being alone. And Melanie, who is kind of lost and wayward. Yeah. And so they're going after these people who just They both aren't. have parent issues. Right. Uh, yeah. So, thrilling? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you find it thrilling? I did. Um, and I think a lot of it is the fact that there's only 15 minutes of... Right. ...attack. Do you think if this film had been done again, right? If They they were going to remake it with Naomi Watts in it. Which, which is an interesting choice. I like Naomi Watts. I do, too. But, I mean, I think if it was remade now, it would be more about the birds. Oh, yeah. Attacks. It would be birds every 14 minutes. Right. Mm, and maybe even more than that. 10? Every 10 minutes, that would be a bird the attack. the way that it's structured now, it's like you're waiting, well, why is it called the birds? There's, oh, there's yeah, a bird. Yeah, it's literally 45 minutes there's before. There's another bird. And then yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, there's all the birds right there. Yeah, it's... I do like that it opens with so much noise in the bird store. Just... Right. So many birds. And then... And then nothing for so long. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very smartly put together. Um, the scene that uh, where Melanie Griffith, excuse me, Melanie Daniels is attacking the attic. Melanie Griffith's mommy. Right. Was a five-day shoot. God damn. And Hitchcock, that was where she, Tippi Hedren, began having issues with Hitchcock. Ah. Uh, because he told her, we'll be using the mechanical birds that we brought with us, and, you know, we're going to be... A, using double exposures, all sorts of other techniques to make the birds attack you. And she goes, when I showed up there for that day, thinking, okay, this will be all right. This will be fine. There's a cage there for the camera. And then she realizes, why would you need the cage? Real birds is why. If you're using action. And she goes, the, the actual bird wrangler could not look her in the eye the entire time. Like, he knew that Hitchcock had lied to her. And he was trying to get some sort of... Hitchcock apparently was trying to get a genuine response. And she said, "She's an actress. If you cannot, if you 
this I said this in The Shining. Right. If you do not trust these women to do what they have been hired to do, why did you hire them in the, the first place? The other issue I think is that oh, uh, from what uh, the writer uh, Edna Hunter says, he goes he knew that Hitchcock was infatuated with Tippi Hedren from the very beginning. When she showed up on the set, he just kept saying, look, there's the girl. And he would just talk to her in these sort of reverent tones. He would do things like he would, uh, by the time they got to Marnie, he was keeping her separate from the rest of the cast and didn't want her talking to people. And initially he told her, well, I don't want them, I want to get a natural performance out of you. I don't want actors giving you actor advice. And instead it was, you know, his obsession over her. But, um, but yeah, five days of having bird wranglers, people who had these huge leather gloves, she says, to protect them, just literally throwing birds at you. She wound up nearly getting an eye put out by one of the birds scratching her. damn it. I feel Uh, like the insurance now would be like, no. Oh, no. Yeah. We're not doing this. It wouldn't happen. Not to our actress. Mm -hmm. We maybe pull in, like, a stunt professional or something. But with, like, you don't, yeah, she also said that... I don't know how SPCA or whatever was good with just birds being thrown at a person. She said that when that scene was done, Hitchcock seemed to be aware that he had pushed it too far because people were really mad at him. People on the set, even the people that he was working with, typically they didn't question him when he was doing something. Because at this point, he was out for Hitchcock, right? But they were looking at him and you know, and just telling each other, wait, he's going too far, somebody has to stop him from doing this. Yeah. The birds had their uh, beaks tied up, so they couldn't actually, like, literally peck her eyes out, but they could claw and beat at her with their wings, which they wound up doing over several days, and that her performance in that part of the film is, she said, very much her. She was she was laying on a couch, refusing to move, Jesus. because she was terrified of, of, the, of all these animals, and she just took that as part of the performance in in uh, the context of what happened later on while making Marnie. This is why I do not understand why she went back and did this other movie. Because she, this is her first starring role, and, and? she just thought, that's Ugh. it. She's with this ge- person who's a genius. I mean, that's kind I'm of... I'm so over that. Well, you and, know this, and though. And even Veronica Cartwright talks about that. She goes, yeah, he was really kind to me. He was really kind to other people on the set. Um... And so he made it, in some ways, a really fun experience, but if there was a person that he had it out for, that person suffered. Yeah, I gotta think that Rod Taylor was not thrilled with his experience, because Hitchcock doesn't like a quote-unquote alpha male. I hate that term, but... Yeah, he he had the same problem with uh, the next film, Marnie, was with, um, talk about, you know, that kind of guy, was uh, Sean Connery. Oh, yes. And so that's like, oh, no, no, he did Todd not. Henry just going through and pissing off directors. Michael yeah. Bay. <laughs> Threatening to beat up Michael Bay, which is very fun. Uh, okay, so yeah. that's The Birds. That's Anything the birds. else to say on it? No, I just, I really, watching it again, I hadn't seen it in years, I really did appreciate how really carefully made it was. Yes. And how everything is sort of. And I was like two hours, but it, it no. didn't feel long. I really... Because the characters are very engaging. Yeah. Tippy Hedren just fucking mischief-making. It was good. All right. Next week, we have a different sort of horror from the skies. Uh-oh. We're watching Alien from 1979. And I am very excited about it because I haven't seen it in quite a while. 
and I do very much enjoy this movie. The wettest villain, perhaps, ever. <laughs> There's a conversation in the first episode of Cheers. Okay. Where all the guys are sitting around talking about the movie, the, the what movie do characters sweat the most in? Yeah. And it came to down to Cool Hand Luke and Alien, I think. That's funny. There is a lot of sweating in Alien. What was the other thing that we watched recently where I was like, why is everybody so wet? Or it was just one person who was wet. Uh, so Alien next week. Do you have anything that you want to recommend in the meantime? I have been watching, I talked to you about this this morning, um, a series of short films done by Wes Anderson for Netflix. You do like them. I don't really like them that much. I don't know that Wes Anderson is my favorite director because, as you said, he's way too stylized. Yeah, not. I know I'm supposed to love Wes Anderson because yeah. I'm a white woman of a certain age. Not my favorite. And I, I do like, as you've said, his animated films. Yes. Um, but he did uh, he did a number of adaptations for them. Uh, Roald Dahl, who I do like, because Roald Dahl is kind of yeah a, a very mean spirited mm-hmm. kind of fiction writer, and his stuff is harsh, and it's, so it doesn't seem like someone as whimsical as Wes Anderson actually would capture it, but he does in a very particular mm-hmm. way. Yeah. His way of, like, turning these really kind of mean-spirited stories into something very funny. I'm like, how, how did Charlie the Chi- Chocolate Factory, excuse me, how did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory turn out to be such a popular kids' film when there's, like, a real streak of of menace towards these Do you kids. mean Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or do you mean Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, Willy... The, the Jane Not Wilder one is called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate okay, Factory. Well, in it's both fine. cases, they're also... They're both based on the book Charlie right, and the Chocolate Factory. Right, and they both Factory. All, uh, have this kind of subversive streak of... For sure. ...danger for kids uh, or dangerous situations that they get themselves yeah. into. But, uh, yeah, they're very The presumption well of the first one is those kids just straight up died. Right. Uh, they did put a little coda on the la- the second one, like, oh, no. <laughs> no children fine. were they're harmed during up. making this film. No, they were harmed. Right. They were, like, floppy well, I mean, and whatever, but yeah. they weren't dead. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, but in that in that first one, yeah, it's the, the presumption is, oops, they died. Oh, well. <laughs> the... Uh, it's really very carefully curated, these films. So if you don't like that particular style of filmmaking, you, this is probably not for you. However, there's some really good performances. Ray Fiennes, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, Ben Kingsley. Yeah. They're really, really sort of well done. And I may be able to stand Wes Anderson for 15 minutes at a stretch. Right. We'll see. I might try, I might check them out. Do you have something you'd like to recommend? I don't know. I saw Wish this weekend. You guys went to see one movie that I didn't want to see, so I I saw a different movie by myself. Uh, And I enjoyed it. I think for Disney fans, they're going to really like it because there's a ton of Easter eggs and callbacks to prior Disney movies because this is their 100th anniversary, which is fucking bananas. Um, If you don't feel like giving Disney your money, I totally get it. So... um, that's definitely a choice you can make. I pay AMC every month, so I didn't pay for this movie. Uh, but it's nice to see, like, Chris Pine is an excellent villain. 
Uh, he was very good in it. Uh, I really like, I think Chris Pine is my favorite Chris okay. of all the Chrises. There's so many. But I think Pine is my favorite because he's like the most interesting to me. He does some very odd things. And he's also not afraid to be like not pretty. Uh, but sometimes he is pretty, like when he's in Wonder Woman. So, Chris Pine, awesome. Wish, especially if you've got a kid right now, I think it's it's good. People are saying the music isn't very good. I enjoyed it. It did. It wasn't. They weren't. The songs were not written by Lin Manuel Miranda, but they had vibes. Okay. There were certain points when I was like, I know we just did Lin Manuel Miranda in your previous few movies, so maybe the they're just pulling. Right. That sort of, because he's got a specific cadence to a lot of his stuff, and he does a lot of internal line and things like that, which, and, and speed. There was a, there's a lot of fast singing in this movie. Uh, it's very pretty to look at. Um, yeah. Okay. And it's got a, it's got a princess of color, which is awesome. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I have been working. Yes, you have been. And uh, trying to figure out what I want to listen to on Audible. I've been listening to pieces of stuff because I just can't hook into something. So maybe I'm just too flighty these days to focus on any piece of media. Oh, you know what I am doing? I'm watching the Hobbit movies. I don't know if I recommend them. But if you've got 19 hours, you could watch all of the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies, which is what I'm going to do. I'm halfway into the second, second Hobbit movie. They're very long. These are the only movies where I'm like, I'm going to watch a piece of this. Right. <laughs> like, you do that a lot. That You're like, I'll, I'll watch 20 minutes or whatever. If I watch 20 minutes of something, I'm like, I need to rewatch that 20 minutes. I can't just pick it up again. Mm. I can watch an hour and a half of one of these and be like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, that's what I've been doing. So that's fun. Do a rewatch of something. I've never seen the Hobbit movies, so I'm just doing a watch. And they're silly and they're long. And they probably really don't need to be this long, but that's okay. Uh, so that's, I don't know. I have nothing to recommend. Live your lives. Have a good time. <laughs> that's what I'll say. Uh, watch Alien, because that's a great movie, and we're going to talk about it next week. And um, I guess until then, if you want to write us, you can write us at latecomerspod at gmail.com, or you could write on our wall on Facebook. I think that's everything. We shall watch Sigourney Weaver fight H.R. Geeker. And until then, I want to remind you to please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you, better, better late than, than never. never.